Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. One day, Ben, you'll have to, to bat in with the middle where it goes out of the solo and back into the bass. That's that's one of the better. This is the great part of the one of the great introductions of a song ever. I like the bass at the beginning. Yeah. That's my favorite part. But it comes out of the solo and goes into the bass in the middle part. So far. Okay. Put right. that one day and we'll use that. We'll do it. It's been Byram over there, boys and girls. Hey, Byron. And uh, who we got? Oh, there's intern Courtney. How are you? Like the glasses. It's a good. It's a studious look today. It's a studious look she has going. Uh, is the ref around or where's he right now? There he is. We'll hear from him later on. Uh, our guy, the ref, is back in the hizzle. Can be covering uh, the Pirates fours. Kind of be our beat guy on that this year, which is good. Fresh off a of fan fest. Yeah. Had to yeah. go recruit him. Was that what that was? A recruiting trip. Recruiting you, you trip. Went, you went recruiting. There you go. So. Um, Welcome in, everybody. I'm Patrick Johnson. It's nice to have you with us here on this. Uh, is it Wednesday? Yes, it is okay. Wednesday. Hump right. day. Hump day all downhill from here. Gosh, I hope so. Uh, we've got uh, a little bit of Brian Mull. You know, tomorrow is the final event of the super season, of the regular season of the PGA. Were you, uh, you were not quite uh, behind the controls yet when we were in uh, Greensboro a couple years ago. You were like part of the yeah. The I was crew. I was around. I I wasn't. But you weren't behind. You weren't. You weren't at the helm of the ship as you are now. In the ones. No, did. I wasn't the lead guy. Quite it, yet. Yeah. Well, so you remember though when we went, Mull and I did the show from out there, yep, and I remember. HV three came on and said HV3. some. Uh, we almost te- got us in trouble. We yes, we teased HV three being on with us, and we had such a small window from him. It was like five minutes of audio. We thought we'd get maybe a 10-minute interview. I wasn't expecting a sit-down, but I thought we'd get. But we were able to get what we were able to get. John McGinnis, he was out there, great guy. So we've established a contact with John, who's an ECU alum. So, I mean, it, that was a fruitful and fun trip. And I was going to stay the whole time, but I think they had an ECU thing the next night, and so it just became a thing. But uh, that whole that whole deal was fun. It was a good deal. Uh, but anyway, they're back tomorrow in Greensboro, Sedgefield, Wyndham Championship, and you got a bunch of guys from North Carolina, including HV3, playing in it again. Uh, Brian Mull handicapped the whole thing for us coming up a little bit uh, later on. Uh, Pirate Report, did we get to Blake Harrell any? I don't think we did. No, we did. Did we? I don't recall hearing him. I don't think we did. I think I intentionally skipped Blake Harrell. I thought we got him for sure, yeah. Could you, would you be kind enough just to rack the Blake Harrell audio, though? Oh, I guess. (laughs) Well, thanks, Ben. And then, uh, Courtney, could you get a new Blake Harrell, just a separate Blake Harrell cut sheet for us? Live and in person. Here we go. Could she do that, or is that too much to, to, Is that too much going on there? 
Somebody she do doesn't know. So. Somebody do this. What I what I want now. Someone do what I want now. There we go. You got to throw your weight around a little bit. There you go. That's it, Ben. That's what I have you for. You're the muscle. I was I waiting just, for it. I want to be the good cop. I need you to be the bad cop, Ben, with these with uh, everybody that's on the staff now. Uh, all right. So Ben, you can't escape it. By God, I wanted to, but this whole Greenville Little League COVID testing thing. It's the story that just will not go away. We talked about it a little bit Monday, right? Not a little bit. It was a brief mention. And I go, well, it was a little more than a brief mention because I go back to what I said Monday. Two things. Ultimately, I feel really, really bad for the kids, for the young kids who play on the team. Uh, there was some controversy in the COVID spit test. A few more details, at least on the side of the Greenville team, have come out in that now through their parents and through the coach and all of that. And we have no reason to doubt what they're saying. Uh, now, we have reached out to the Little League folks or, or through an intermediary to try to get to the Little League folks, and we've invited them on. I understand that we have a Little League event here this week with the softball. More on that in a minute. But we have uh, made every uh, you know effort to, to cover this, but just not get not lose our minds about the whole thing. And that's kind of what you know it, it feels like. I understand it's emotional. I have no children, and good Lord willing, I never will. But when you have, uh, I, I, well, you should see the looks I got out of the control room on that. Wow. No, I, no, I want no, I want no parts of it. Uh, and I, and I admit that, and I know that, uh, nor does my wife. So we're on the same page as that, but it, it's just, uh, that ain't my jam. I'm the Funkle. That's it. That's, that's where I, that's where I, uh, am in this, in this, uh, situation. But, um, so I, you know, I understand when it's, something involves your children, it's very emotional. It is very emotional for people. I, I, I totally get that. I don't know it firsthand, but obviously I, I know it because I know enough people who are, who are parents who are good, close friends, and uh, just to watch them agonize over things with their kids sometimes, and you do too, with, in my case, with your two, my two nephews and my niece. You just agonize over things. When they're not well or, or whatever, you're, you're very concerned about them. I get all of that. Um, you know, so I, I, I kind of thought, well, this is maybe getting a little blown up because it's involving people's kids and people who – really take uh, Greenville Little League seriously and, and take the All-Star and the march to try to get to Williamsport seriously. And I, and I respect that. I have no problem with anybody taking all of that seriously. Uh, and I've, I've heard the interviews. I've, I've read the transcripts. I've seen the whole thing. So tomorrow we're going to have a guest on one of the players. Uh, Dr. Davis here in town is going to be uh, on with us tomorrow. I talked to him a little bit briefly this afternoon. And he kind of laid out some things that are consistent with some of the other things that we have uh, heard from others. And, um, you know, I don't know if I necessarily want to get into all of this, but, I mean, basically, I feel, again, the two things. I feel badly for the kids because they were, the, regardless of whether the testing was done correctly, it was a false positive and, and the refusal to have them tested again, Regardless of how all of that shakes out, and Ben, I think you would agree with me on this, I feel most badly for the kids because the kids had put a lot of time in, a lot of work, a lot of effort. This is something they were excited about. And to have their hopes dashed, and not even in a way that they were defeated. They won their first game. They were, they were getting ready to play their next game, and their hopes were dashed. So like, are you recalling this now where I said I feel badly for the kids? Yes. That's, yep. where I, that's who I feel most badly for in this. Don't feel badly for the. I don't believe you. Uh, no, no, I do. I, I don't feel course. badly for the coaching staff, although I respect the jobs that they've done. I don't feel badly for the parents. 
I understand the agony you're going through, but I really feel badly for the kids in this because that's what it should be all about, the kids having a great experience and having a chance to play for a championship, something they'll never forget. So I feel badly for them. The other part of this that uh, I did say Monday, and I'll say again, and I think even it's been said in certain interviews, the kids have already moved on. Kids are ready to sign up for football, hit the pool, try to go maybe to the beach, get their parents. Get their summer back. Yeah, probably get play their, plenty of baseball right, this summer. Get some summer in before they go back to school next week. And and by all accounts, even Corey's son, he was on Tom Lamprecht's show yesterday. I think Corey even said that on Lamprecht's show yesterday. You know, his son uh, has already said, did you sign me up for football? I mean, the, the kids are resilient. The parents are really, really upset about this. And I get it. I totally get it. But, I mean, and, and this is why we put the interview off tomorrow because I need to make sure there's a lot of finger-pointing going on here. There's a lot of this done wrong sentiment on here. We've been done wrong. And I'm not saying you haven't been done wrong. But I also think that I, I need to find out where the testing proto I mean, where the testing protocols, were they aware of what the protocols were going in? I had to have been. In other words, they knew what the testing. Now, did the Little League folks not live up to the execution of those protocols? Could very well be the case. Appears it may have been the case, if what everything that is being said is true. But if not, then, you know, I just wonder where's the truth. But if, if, if how Little League executed these tests, these spit tests, is the way it's been done, then to me that's the that's the heart of the matter at this. And we have I have reached out through an intermediary, and I'm going to be a little more aggressive with reaching out uh, tonight and tomorrow morning with getting somebody from Little League on. I, we're happy to talk about what's going on over at Elm Street Stallings uh, Stadium. I do want to talk about that. That's a big deal for Greenville, but I I have to ask the person who's going to be on from Little League to, to explain the procedures to us. And you kind of see the whole deal, and I get it. They may be separate entities, but. You see the whole deal that's going on in softball World Series right now, the whole controversy well, of the COVID you test. Bring, and, you, yeah. you bring that up, so let's transition to that. So I wake up to this email this morning. During its final COVID-19 testing at the Central Regional Little League Softball Tournament, an individual on the Zionsville Little League team, which is out of Indiana, that team tested, uh, had a team, someone associated with the team test positive. In consultation with the medical advisors, Little League International conducted another round of testing of the team on Monday, August 2nd, which determined that two additional participants were also positive. So three positives with the softball team out of Indiana that's come here to Greenville to play. Assessing the contact tracing test results and time between the positive tests and the start of the Little League Softball World Series, the Zionsville team is permitted to compete in Greenville as the Central Region B team. The two participants who tested positive on Monday, August 2nd, will be able to rejoin their team as directed by our medical advisors based on the guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control on Thursday, August 12th. So 10 days from where they tested positive, uh, they will have to essentially be quarantined. They will be eligible to participate in the team's game that is scheduled for Friday, August 13th at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So if I'm looking back at this, they, they must have played potentially – uh, a game with this person not having their test result back. See, that's something that I, I think needs to be kind of clarified from Little League there. And I don't think that's attacking Little League to get some clarification on this. No. 
All remaining participants have been tested upon their arrival at the Little League World Softball Series with unvaccinated participants being tested every other day. The three participants who tested positive for COVID-19 10 to 14 days prior to the start of the tournament will not be tested throughout the duration of the tournament. In the interest of privacy, the identities of those who have tested positive will not be released. Well, of course, nobody wants to know that. I mean, that's we understand that. So my question to the Little League would be, and again, I, I, this is not, I'm not setting anybody up to zing them. I'm not, I just, I think we need to get answers because go back to the high school athletic association thing with the North Carolina legislature. Both sides said stuff was coming out of people's mouths that I'm yet to hear. And mm-hmm. I've, I've listened and listened and listened to and watched and watched and watched all of the press conferences. Hell, we've interviewed, I guess you could say the two leading participants in this thing on, yeah. on opposing sides. Nothing that people claim they have said, and I gave both of them every opportunity to step in it or redeem themselves, however, depending on how you look at it. And I didn't hear anybody say what other people claimed either side had said. And they were willing to comment too. That's, I mean, that's a big thing. Well, that's thing. the thing. We didn't, we're, we're not going to look, I'm not in the business of not asking questions. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, it's not always fun. It's not always what you want to do. But, you know, I've had to work places where you better ask questions or you're not going to have a job very long. And you got to ask those questions. You got to listen. That's the other thing. It's one thing just to ask questions, Ben. It's another thing to actually listen and listen to other questions that are being asked so you can ask a follow up if need be in, in that kind of setting. And again, so I'm not looking to, we need to raise hell and we need to, to trash the little league people, but I think we do. It's fair to have them come on and give answers. I'm fine having Dr. Davis on tomorrow. Uh, and we're going to be certain things I want him to, I mean, he, he ran through kind of a, a nutshell. What, what happened today? And the big thing is there was a, they are claiming that there was an erroneously, uh, retrieved or. Uh, the administered test and the testing conditions were not ideal. It was not being done in their opinion. I mean, he's a medical doctor. They were not being done by what he said were medical professionals. And then once they had the positive on the, on the saliva test, there was no retest. Um, Nevada and Hawaii have had a player test positive, And yet they were able, like the Indiana softball team, to continue on. Oklahoma, Mississippi, East Texas, and North Carolina, in this case, Greenville, in the Little League World Series, the road to uh, the road to the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Williamsport yep. you know, did not have the um, occasion to participate because of the positive COVID tests. So we'll, we'll do something on this here. I, my reservation is, I think, you know, it's now for – if, if Little League's not providing clear answers, they should be. That's that, that's that's kind of where I am on this. Uh, the players, and it's not really the players, the adults involved continuing to go on media, continuing to go on national media, and this now becomes something that's not about the kids. I'm totally against that. Totally against that. But I ha- And I have no problem allowing somebody to come on and, and state the case. We've, we've described it, but I understand, you know, Parents are frustrated. They want to speak out. They want to have their voice. I don't mind talking to Dr. Davis. I don't think it's productive to just sit here and bash Little League because, I mean, I'm going to ask him some questions about, okay, where are we as of when we speak to him tomorrow at this time? Not our- not, not everything necessary because I just, I just ran through everything that just happened. Yeah. Now, there's some details I don't know that I think we can find out, 
but I don't think we need to to relitigate this thing. What's the what's the game plan now? And if the kids are fine with the kids have moved on, to what end are we are we still carrying on here with this thing? And look, I get it. This Greenville Little League thing is a uh, a big deal to a lot of people, and I understand that. And it's really well run, and it's a first class situation. And so, and and look, these kids put a lot of time into it. They really do. But I just don't want the kids to be the ones that are we're losing track of the kids. You know, as the ones that we should be concerned about here. And I'll bet you to a man, Ben Byram. Think back when you were 12 years old playing on that all-star basketball team and you scored on your own team in that all-star basketball game. I, I bet, it was a leadership thing. It I was, bet after, it was motivational. Though. I bet after a certain, you know, your team probably were a little outraged with you. But by and large, probably by the end of the day, most of the kids on the team forgot about it. And I'm going to guess within two days, they couldn't care less. Yeah, we went to Pizza Hut afterwards, had a good old time. Nobody nobody gave a, a hoot at that age. Nobody cared. Right. The kids, I mean. The yeah, kids. the kids didn't care. I mean, maybe the parents did, but I mean, I don't really care. Right. There we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, are we ready for a pirate report? Yeah, we're set. I see I have my list I requested. Great job, everyone. We did. That was a fire drill. We did really well. We did really well on the fire drill. All right. We got mold coming up. Going to talk a little golf. Get off of this. Get into some cuts we haven't gotten in, gotten into, uh, including ooh some other coaches from the uh, American Athletic Conference speaking out here in recent days. Some things on that uh, and more when we return here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Online or on the go, love it. Log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com. To listen to our top rated programs throughout the day, you need to tell your smart speaker to stream 943 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. I'm guessing pizza coupons. Oh, we're back. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. How am I supposed to know what pizza coupons? That's what they're going to get. Do we know if that guy's coming on the show? Who? Which one? That guy. You know, the guy, the partnership and all, you know. We got a big partnership here, and there's a guy that we want to know if he's coming on the show. This mm, is no, I guess I, not. I don't know what you're talking about. I just to answer your other question, you were hammering me about in the break. I don't know. I assume Cooper, you don't know nothing. Uh, look, I've decided a long time ago. I'm just staying out of all of this because, I mean, I I could tell everybody a lot of things. I actually know quite a bit, but it's just no. There's no end to to revealing what I know at this point. But I'm, my guess is coupons. Uh, welcome back. It's time for the uh, <laughs> it's time for the pirate report. Um, Mike Houston has talked a lot so far, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you and uh, Philip have been collectively at these press conferences, Ben, about how the players are in better physical shape, how they've been able to develop their skills, their explosiveness, their strength, because they did not have a a a spring ball or a summer ball last year, and they've got they've had it this year. They've been with Big John all summer. So let's start here as Mike Houston talks about the player improvement within the ECU football program on today's Pirate Report. I think a lot of people did. I mean, that's, you know, one that kind of stood out to me was, uh, you know, down there in the uh, uh, inside run period, you know, which is a deal where, you know, the offense can't throw it. It's, you know, it's a between-the-tackles kind of deal. So, I mean, it's – 
you know, it's there ain't a whole lot of run room right there. And uh, Shane Calhoun, we had an ISO play. He's the lead blocker and really had a big, big block on one of our big inside linebackers, you know, to pop, uh, I think it was Keaton or Rajay one, you know, pop one of those guys free. And, you know, that's a block a year ago I don't think Shane could have made. And that's a block a lot of guys, uh, a lot of tight ends can't make uh, because it takes athleticism to be able to, you know, block, go up against a guy that has pretty good athletic ability, and then it takes some physicality against, you know, the guys that are the size of our linebackers. So, you know, lots of guys like that today that I thought did some good things. I thought Pop McKay, uh, you know, showed some uh, of what, you know, he has down there in that uh, goal line period. Uh, he should have been hit for a, a loss uh, when the second uh, offense is going against the second defense, and he was able to break the tackle in the backfield and gain positive yardage. You know, sometimes that doesn't stand out to fans in the stands, but that's a minus two play turns into a plus three play. That's a five-yard difference, you know, inside the 10-yard line. So, you know, lots of positives. Um, Bobby, 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 uh, and coach Houston talked about the importance of a fit team. That's where I've got to do a good job of making sure we take care of them, you know, getting, getting enough rest, getting enough hydration, uh, you know, being smart on what we do day in and day out. But at the same time, you know, we've really got to push ourselves right now because this is what prepares you for that, you know, tie ball game, close ball game, fourth quarter, you know, hot September ball game. You know, where you've got to play through that mental fatigue late in the ballgame. Uh, our pirate report today, Coach Houston talking about uh, cut four here, Ben, how physical, or uh, Courtney, how physical this pirate team is. Yeah, I mean, I think that they, they embrace that. I mean, I don't think this is a, a team that's a, you know, a, a soft football team. Um, you know, they're, they're a bunch that's going to play physical. Now, it's, it's the thing. Like we talked about, you know, I will go look at the film on that uh, goal line period, but we got to be able to play physical and play, uh, you know, effectively, you know, executing, uh, not making mistakes, not having mental busts. And so the challenge is, you know, moving on after the first day of live contact to where tomorrow, you know, it's the second day, okay, and you're back out there, and then the next day it's the third day. And then, you know, you got Friday and we got scrimmage Saturday. It's you're stacking those days together because. You know, this is the week in camp where I promise you, we all forget what day it is. I mean, you, you know, you go to bed at night, you, you, you go in the house and go to bed, you, you wake back up, I leave, and, and you get back here and it's dark when you leave, it's dark when you get here, same thing for the kids, and then you, you what day is it? You have no idea if it could be Saturday, it could be Tuesday, who knows? All right, um, let's get to Blake Harrell. I don't think we had any Blake Harrell on the other day. Are we ready with the Blake Harrell? Uh, okay, Courtney all over this. Uh, and uh, Blake Harrell talked about, uh, well, let's start, start with cut eight there, creating pressure. Blake Harrell, Pirate defensive coordinator, discussing uh, that in three, two, uno. T today we had a, uh, a run period versus uh, pressure, and uh, we're not that far along in camp today, so I didn't really call it pressure, I just called it movement. Uh, but no, we, you know, that's kind of who we are, who we want to be. We, we want to be attacking, we want to be an aggressive, uh, get after you type defense. Uh, whether that's, you know, whether we have to use pressures and movements and uh, blitzes to do that or whether we can just play our base defense and do that. But we always want to be attacking and, and, and really don't sit back on our heels. So that's kind of who we want to be. That's who we want our players to be. That's how we want to coach. We, we talked yesterday about um, or heard yesterday from Xavier Smith, if I'm not mistaken. And he talked about kind of his versatility, edge rusher, some of the different things they have him doing. This is Blake Harrell on uh, Xavier Smith's Versatility, cut nine. Xavier's a versatile guy. 
and he's a all-conference player. And it doesn't matter if he's uh, in, inside the box, outside the box. He's rusting off the edge. He's dropping into pass coverage. He's going to be a difference maker. And that's his mindset. And that's how he's attacking every day. And he's here to be a good teammate. And he's doing a great job with that outside and on the practice field and in the classroom. And just, you know, embracing that. And we're excited about what we can create with him. Because as, as you spoke earlier, you know, if you don't know where Xavier Smith's lining up, you know, that might can create some problems for you offensively. Any players who have surprised you, Coach Harrell? You know, kind of the one, the first one that pops in mind, I think we got several guys, first of all. Um, and the one that pops in my mind that wasn't with us last fall, but was with us two years ago, is Gerard Stringer. Um, you know, Gerard started a bunch of ball games two years ago. When I got here, he, he, you know, he got hurt that, that spring. And uh, during, the, during the COVID, uh, Torrey's Achilles there, so he missed. I haven't got to see him on the, on the grass. And he's been very impressive uh, so far. Really, And he's really making uh, Jaira Wilson, you know, competing with Jaira, pushing him to make better. So I think we got, you know, iron sharpening iron there, and those two guys are pushing each other. Jaira Wilson related to friend of the show, C.J. Wilson. Um, Got time probably for one more question here. Do we want the Aaron Ramsor question or how good the defense is question? Or is there one on here about how hot it was? Oh, all right, we'll do that. How good the def – not one about how hot it is? Are you sure? That seems like that's asked a lot. Uh, here is uh, Blake Harrell on just how good the Pirate defense could be. You know, I, I think as long as Coach Kirkpatrick's up there scoring about 60 points, holding the ball for about 40 minutes, we can be pretty good. Uh, you know, it, it, it depends. we 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 got to turn, turn up from where we're at right now. Uh, we we got to keep coming along, making a lot of improvements. I feel that we can, can be better than, you know, we were last year. Um, and we have to. We don't have a choice. I mean, if we want to win ball games, we got to be a better defense. We've got to be more consistent. We got to stop the run. And you look at game one, two, and three. You know, if you you stop the run, you're going to give yourself a chance to win those ball games. So that's what you got to continue to do. And and the, those guys on the other side of the ball are, are making us do that right now. And they got some guys that can stick it up in there. And we got to respond and make sure we're doing a good job of uh, defending the run. And that that's where it all starts, as we always talk about. I think each and every week. All right, that is today's Pirate Report. Ben, you ready? Uh, we'll get to Brian Mole here in just a second. Great job by everybody on the crew there. And uh, this is uh, the one and only uh, Ben Byram now with an update. And uh, when we come back after the update and the break, Brian Mole on what's going on out in the Wyndham. Uh, here's Ben with a uh, an update here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben. Thanks, Patrick. We start from the Little League Softball World Series right here in Greenville. A little bit of controversy is going on as the Indiana team will be allowed to continue to participate after three players tested positive for COVID. For Major League Baseball getting set for the Field of Dreams game this weekend between the White Sox and the Yankees. White Sox ace Carlos Rodon has been placed on I.O. with left arm soreness. From the NFL as we gear up for preseason games this weekend, interesting development out of Indianapolis as it's reported that Carson Wentz and Quinn Nelson are trending to play week one after foot surgeries. Colts head coach Frank Reich and GM Chris Ballard have received extensions through 2026. Seattle Seahawks have cut defensive end Alden Smith for an off-the-field matter. Baltimore's receiving room just got a lot worse. This rookie receiver Rashad Bateman is set to miss a number of weeks due to a leg injury. And Kansas City Chiefs guard Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is out for at least four weeks due to a broken bone in his hands. And wrapping up from the NBA, Dennis Schroeder's bet on himself and lost. He just signed a one-year deal worth $8.9 million with the Boston Celtics after being offered an $80 million contract to Lakers earlier last season and declining. That's going to do it for your 94 through the game sports update. I'm Ben Barham. 
Carolina's home for the Adam Gold Show. Come on in. Weekdays at noon, right here on Eastern Carolina's home for sports. I love sports. And the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Our pal Brian Mull from the Caddy Network uh, set to join us here. Hey, if you ever miss an episode of the Patrick Johnson Show, 94.3thegame.com is where you need to go to check things out. Uh, We post our podcast there. We also have for you, uh, if you're uh, so inclined, uh, other podcasts uh, coming soon, the Houston Huddle with uh, ECU head football coach Mike Houston. We post all of our daily Pirate Report updates uh, there as well. Clearing house for that if uh, you don't catch it on the airwaves. And uh, on the Prowl, our Carolina Panthers podcast is uh, available. Uh, Let's uh, go to the phones. Enough talking about some of this uh, other nonsense we've been dwelling on uh, so far. Let's uh, bring in Brian Mould to dwell on some other nonsense. Uh, Brian, how are you? I'm doing well, Patrick. I hope you are. Yeah, doing okay. Doing all right. Uh, We have uh, finally come to the last regular season event of this PGA Tour Super Season here in Greensboro again. At the Sedgefield Country Club, the Wyndham Championship. We were there a couple of years ago. Uh, it was great. Uh, it was really, really fantastic. So, uh, what's on the line this week? Who's playing for what? <clears throat> yeah, we had a we had a great uh, little couple days up there in Greensboro, if I recall. Sedgefield, uh, one of the oldest hosts on the PGA Tour, and this week kind of an old school test. A lot of guys who are trying to lock up their playing privileges for next year. You have uh, several things on the line. You have the top 125 is the first and foremost. Sure, uh, yeah. Trying to get into the top 125 in, in the points and lock up their place in the playoffs next week and also ensure fully exempt status for the 21-22 season. But then beyond that, uh, number 150 is very important. Uh, 150 is a much better spot to find yourself in on Monday morning than 151 because <laughs> you at least have partial status on the PGA Tour next year. You're, you're what's called a conditional member, which generally will get a guy in 12, 14, 16 tournaments and maybe more if he plays well. Um, and then the final number that is super important is number 200 because uh, even though you've not had a very good year, if you're down there in the points, it puts you into the Corn Ferry Finals which means you have an opportunity to get your job back or, and you're guaranteed pretty much having some status on the corn ferry tour next year. If you finish worse than that, it's a tough road back. There's many guys who've, uh, you know, have come to the PGA tour, had one bad year and never, never really been able to recover from that. Yeah. Um, who's give me some names, Brian. Who's, who's on what bubble? Well, uh, our, our, our guy, your guy, uh, uh, your, I have a lot of guys. Really, I have a lot Ricky of guys. Fowler. Yeah. I know. Your, your guy, Ricky, needs a big week. Pretty Ricky uh, he, Fowler, he, who has played better in the last couple months. He has shown some flashes. Uh, he has not been able to put four rounds together, which certainly is important in professional golf. Um, but he has shown some flashes. Some of his stats are promising. But, no, he's, uh, he's 130th. He's got to go a little bit. Raleigh's uh, Chesson Hadley, who, who certainly had a, a, a golden opportunity to lock up all kinds of exemptions early a few months ago at Congaree. He's 132nd. Uh, Real? Okay. Some, some pretty, some pretty yeah, some prominent guys have, names. Some guys that have been guys in the like mix. Tommy, yeah. 
Tommy Fleetwood, uh, your other guy. Fairway uh, Jesus. Uh, Charles, yeah. Yeah. Charles Howell III, a mainstay of the tour for, for mm, two decades. Yeah. Uh, Justin Rose, uh, British Open champion, Francisco Molinari. Wow. So, you know, those guys are not – they're still going to get in plenty of tournaments, whether they finish in the top 125 or not. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, Matt Kuchar is a guy, 124, who could get bumped out. Uh, Adam Scott, 121, um, just a very difficult season for him. He's not really yeah. found any rhythm coming off of the pandemic. So, yeah. That's a fun. That's a fun battle to watch right around that bubble. Cooch is one of those guys, though, that that winds up in plenty of events, though, right? Even if he were to make it outside the, the top one twenty five. Oh yeah, yeah. He could use, uh, and, and as could a number of these other guys that we've mentioned. These names, they they could use what's called a career money rest exemption and uh, pretty right. much play a full schedule. Reason I guess Cooch uh, has all that career money is, you know, obviously not the gracious, most gracious of tippers. <laughs> There we go. He has the highest percentage of career money still in his <laughs> Yes, he does. Look at Brian Mull bringing the jokes. We spare no expense here on the Patrick Johnson show. No, if you short your caddy, you're going to take some heat from me. Well, that's true. That's the way, uh, that's the way it goes. Right. Brian Mull with uh, the Caddy Network, happily enough, uh, joining us at BG Mull on Twitter. Uh, Sedgefield Country Club, Greensboro. Uh, really enjoyed our time there a few years ago. Just. That didn't make any sense. Couldn't really work it out for this year. Um, but uh, maybe down the road, uh, we'll return to uh, uh, to the uh, triad and uh, the Wyndham Championship because uh, they really do, in my opinion, uh, put on a fine event. And, and look, it's a, it, this has been a long year for a lot of guys, a lot of people out there grinding. But, it, boy, people could not have been more gracious from the PGA Tour and from uh, the local organizers. Uh, when we were there a couple of years ago, tracking HV3. Harold Varner III, who was in Tahoe last week, tees off at 7.45 on uh, Thursday. Uh, what's what's on the line here for HV3? You know, it's been an interesting season for Harold, and I think this is a sign of his progress in that it hasn't felt like he's played very well, yet when you look at the FedEx Cup standings, he's in 72nd, which is one of the higher uh, – you know, positions he's been in at this time of the season in recent years. And he has an opportunity to really solidify himself into that second playoff event. You know, um, he's uh, – because obviously they, they start with 125 next week and then they, they trim it to 70. So you, you would like to be on the inside uh, having to get bumped out than, than vice versa. Uh, he could go up. Uh, he's had two top tens at Greensboro in the last four years. So another one would go a long way this week and bump him up 10 or 12 spots in the in the standings there and uh, pretty much uh, give him you know a, a good shot to play those first two playoff events. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where would you assess Harold's game right now, Brian? You know, I think it, it's solid. Uh I think it's kind of more the same in, in that uh, he's got to get a little, a few more putts to fall and um, play a little better on the weekend. You know, he's been, uh, he, 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 like I said, he's played okay. He, he's played 26 events, which is a pretty healthy schedule. And uh, he certainly had some, uh, he hadn't really had any great opportunities to win on Sunday, but he's, he's you know, finished 15th last week. That's, that's nothing to complain about. Right, and, right. 
I think he'll be motivated. Uh, you know, we've got fans back in Greensboro this year. They'll certainly be, as we saw the year we were there, a, a strong ECU and, uh, you know, Gastonia contingent following him, Charlotte contingent. Yeah, so, uh, absolutely. I think, it, you know, he likes that. He'll feed off that a little bit. And I think he's learned, he spoke to us that day about, uh, about learning how to kind of handle playing a home game, if you will. Yeah. You know, yeah. not too, putting too much pressure on himself and just going out and enjoying himself like he likes to do. Who will be some of the other, uh, you know, local favorites or home hometown, home state guys that are that are right now in the event? Well, for lack of a better, I mean, this is the Webb Simpson Invitational. <laughs> he's finished uh, right. in the top three each of the last four years. Uh, he's won the event in 2011 and named his daughter Wyndham. Right. Winnie. They call her, and uh, so he indeed he, this he, week is Wake Forest is, is in Wake Forest University's Web Simpson because of the proximity. There, there's right? no doubt. Yeah, Although yeah. there will be I'm some sure. ITB bro dogs, I'm sure, <laughs> outside the ropes taking a look at uh, Web playing this week, right? He's the favorite, the clear favorite in, in Vegas and elsewhere, and okay. uh, rightfully so. Our guy Patrick Reed, who who had, who was trying to set some type of world record for most events played in most continents and most miles traveled in nine weeks, withdrew, thankfully. Uh, he's a former champion there, too, but he, he was on just an unbelievable run right? from Europe, England, to Japan, to Memphis, to you know, all points in between. Uh, Web T's at Web one. Is- Web T's at one, by the way, tomorrow for – for those that are inclined, the bro dogs. Webb always finds a way. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen in the field too, which is a yeah, bit surprising. Yeah, I, to I me saw as that. Well. What's what's up with that, Brian? I, I don't understand that. I really don't. I mean, Louis is a guy who played. He did not play in the Olympics, but uh, you know, certainly he played in, in in the British Open, and then he played in Minnesota, and then he played last week in Memphis. And with the three playoff events coming up, it's just surprising to me that he would. I mean, good for him and good for the tournament in Greensboro and. Maybe he's just desperate. He knows how well he's playing, and he's just desperate to to finally break through and uh, win on U.S. soil. Something he's never done, which is remarkable. You know, it's just hard to believe as, as well as he's played over his career, and, and especially this year. But so you don't think he, he's not sick of the horses at this point or anything? I mean, he's or, or, or maybe uh, you know his daughters told him that uh, that, that he they need a bigger horse or faster horse or prettier horse. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Or more horses. I, mean, I have two. I have two daughters, and I have to listen to what they want sometimes too. Yeah, I understand I how that goes. Um, so that's a good name in the field. And then an interesting story that you know certainly a name we haven't heard a ton from lately, but was a big story back in the spring. Will Zalatoris. I was going to ask you about him. Uh, yeah, yeah, former Wake Forest star as well. Uh, home game has played in this event before, getting an exemption. Has played Sedgefield. Uh, he said, you know, estimates fifteen or twenty times. Uh, you know, during his time at Wake Forest, and he has to win. Believe it or not, the way the tour is currently set up as a non-member. He has to win a tournament to qualify for the playoffs, even though he has more than enough points to hmm. easily qualify. So this is it for him. Last shot. Now, no big deal if he doesn't get into the playoffs other than a missed opportunity to make a whole lot of money, but he will be fully exempt on the PGA Tour next year. Uh, actually, a couple of different ways, both through his Corn Ferry Tour status and um and in his just incredible play this year so and his world ranking and, and et cetera et cetera so he, he's his future is bright regardless of what happens this week and he is dealing with a little bit of a back injury i don't know if you remember i uh, hit a shot out of the out of the hay there at royal st george's and um kind of tweaked his 
back and said he's been managing that to, to hopefully, uh, you know, that that's something that you hate to hear of any player, but especially a young player having having some back injury. Uh, uh, guys I like this week are Brian Harmon, a couple of Georgia Bulldogs, Brian Harmon and Russell Henley. Brian Mull, Caddy Network, on with us. Uh, anybody else that stands out in the field or anybody else that would be a pick to click or be near the top of this thing on Sunday? Well, uh, let's not forget Hideki Matsuyama, the Masters champion who lost in a playoff last week. Had, yeah. had hit a great putt there in the first playoff hole and lipped out uh, 63 on Sunday. Uh, solid finish the week before over in Tokyo at, at the Olympics uh, as well. So certainly his game is, is peaking at, at a good time of the year. And, um, you know, he, he, he will have a lot of birdie opportunities at Sedgefield with the way he strikes the golf ball. Uh, we got uh... – Brian Mole with us here. Great to have uh, him alongside as we uh, uh, as we talk uh, the final regular season event of the PGA season. Playoffs will begin. Um, you know, it seems like the Bryson DeChambeau uh, Brooks Kepka thing just won't go away. Uh, you know, and and look, certain guys. It's kind of fun to watch them melt down a little. Uh, DeChambeau, you know, down the stretch. Apparently, fans getting to him. Brooks Kepka fans. Let's not keep in mind Kepka uh, sort of uh, pooped the proverbial bed in South Carolina down the stretch when Phil won. So, again, certain guys, you, it's kind of fun to see them melt down a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but with Brooks Kepka fans, and yes, there are some, and DeChambeau fans, which, uh, you know, he's kind of a unique guy. Um, what, what's your spin or, or take on all that? Well, it's interesting to me, and uh, I, I really hope they're not doing this to chase the, the $40 million bonus pool for, uh, you know. Well, Brian, the, as, you know, as, as you know, the only thing these guys, in most cases, love more than golf is money. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's interesting to me also is you have two guys that I would have considered, uh, if you asked me to rank the five of the best closers on the PGA tour, as far as guys who, who have, you, you trust to win a golf tournament on the back nine on Sunday, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka six months ago would have been at the top of that list because they, uh, they just maximum, you know, they get in contention a fair amount, but they really do a good job of closing. You trust them. They have the moxie. They have what it takes. They have the game, both very tough competitors. Well, since they've started this little battle, they've both imploded, their each uh, their share on the back nine, whether uh, you know tournaments that we would would have thought they would have won in the past, and, and certainly you have to get in contention to to, to have a chance to lose. But uh, that was you know Dees Chambeau was right where he needed to be going into the back nine on Sunday, and just made a couple of hit a couple of terrible shots, made a couple of mental errors. We've seen Kepka do the same thing down the stretch, as you mentioned uh, in some majors earlier this year, and. Um, Sounds like his knees acting up again. So really, these, you know, it, it's not going to go away. The fans are pro Brooks. You know, Brooks is an easier guy to get behind for most people. <laughs> I think, I think, I think the novelty of Bryson has worn off a little bit. Right, right. Let's face it; he's not even the longest hitter for all that he's done, and and, and he's just not, and, and he's not going to ever be the longest hitter because uh, his body, you know. Uh, Getting bulkier and stronger is great, but really to hit the golf ball along the way, you want to be built more like a Cameron Champ or this Wilco Nene, or a long guy with levers, you know, with long arms and 
can generate a lot of a, a wide arc and there's going to be more guys like that coming every year so you know I, I think they both should just uh, get healthy and work on their game and uh, maybe uh, temper the, the twi- Twitter a bit so th- this is nothing like that um, but certainly when uh, when when Jack Nicholas came along and started to to uh, you know kind of knock off Arnold Palmer some of the Arnie's army certainly got into the grill of Jack and, you know, we're not happy about this to his credit. And I mean, you, you're probably as, uh, uh, in-depth study of Arnold Palmer as anybody, uh, to Arnie's credit, he kind of was vocal about taking the high road and keeping it a gentleman's game and, and kind of admonished the fans for, for those things. Again, a different set of circumstances, but, uh, what happened is is ultimately what I what I think may need to happen here, right? It, it was a time too when a lot of uh, new eyeballs, new fans were coming to the game. You know, we're talking about Arnold and Jack in the '60s. The game was uh, the big events were finally being televised. People could see these people in action, and uh, you're right. Arnold Palmer was the one who had put the game on the map, and, and especially with the the common man taking it out of the country club a little bit and into the blue collar fan. And you know, I think he felt it was his responsibility to maybe teach them. This isn't a Pittsburgh Steelers football game. You know, this is a little different <laughs> form right. expected here at, at, on the golf course. And you cheer for your player, but you never cheer against the other player. And you know, in time, obviously, Jack became beloved as well. And and, and, and earned everyone's respect with his incredible, consistent play over, over time. And they became great, great friends as well as competitors uh, in, in the golf course architecture and business worlds. But um, yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, I don't think you're going <laughs> right. to see anything like that in 2021. I mean, the world has changed uh, dramatically, obviously, in 60 years. And there is a, the, with the tour setting this uh, $40 million pip fund up, uh, there is a uh, incentive for them to, to keep stirring the pot on both sides. And uh, Bryson's going to do it in his own way, and then Brooks is going to be a little more provocative, and, and, and fans that have had a couple of cocktails on a Sunday afternoon are going to get a little loose with the lips. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Brian Mull, Caddy Network, uh, follow him on Twitter at BG Mull. He'll be tweeting about uh, the event at Sedgefield, the Wyndham Championship, uh, all this uh, weekend and week. Uh, check out his picks, caddynetwork.com. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks, Patrick. Take care. All right, there he goes, Brian Mull with uh, the Caddy Network. Our guy, the ref, Phil Pilkey. Great to see you back in the house here. Yeah, glad to be here. It's awesome to have you uh, as part of the team this year covering uh, ECU football uh, pretty much exclusively, but uh, you'll be doing some other things. So. All right, who do you like uh, this weekend? Do you have anybody in particular you might like this weekend at Sedgefield? Are, are you excited about this? What are you saying? You haven't, you, you've been so deep in pirate football. Okay, just go with HB3. Yeah, you got to go with the hometown guy, right? Go Pirates. Well, technically, yeah, okay. Well, he's well, not hometown. Right. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he is yeah, from Gastonia. Yeah, but, but we'll go. All right, we'll go HB3 is the, uh, all right, that's fine. Um, all right, good to see you, by the way. The ref, Philip Pilkington. The man, the myth, the legend is back uh, in the fold here at 94.3 The Game. Thanks to Ben also, uh, to uh, intern Courtney all over. We learned a lot today about intern Courtney's uh, ECU fandom before the show started today. You know, that's pretty good. Good to know. Uh, Coming up tomorrow, let me find my uh, sheet here because I've got a lot of loose papers today. 
rolling around out there. So obviously, this little league testing deal with the uh, Greenville team and the COVID positive. I mean, it's been a uh, been a little bit of a cluster. Uh, one of the parents, we've agreed to have him on tomorrow, Dr. Greg Davis. We're going to have him on tomorrow. We've we've asked Little League to come on and, and answer some questions on this and obviously the softball championship, but we will uh, we will uh, wait to see if and when they will join us this week or next week, but uh, we'd like to certainly have them on. Uh, thanks to our whole crew today, also to Brian Moult being with us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 5 o'clock right here uh, for the Patrick Johnson Show. cellular we believe everyone should get more of the latest 5g technology for less of your hard-earned money right now everyone can get a free smartphone whether you're a new customer or not with no trade-in or hidden fees u.s cellular america's locally grown wireless terms apply to uscellular.com for details now that life is returning to normal we found a lot of good things that came from the pandemic one of them is not having to go to the wireless store anymore The Cellular Warehouse team has been in the business of delivering phones to your home and office for 20 years. People found out about our free delivery service and they love the ease of getting a new phone, tablet, or hotspot. Call Toby Williams today at 252-799-7051 so you can start experiencing the joy of never going to a wireless store again. 252-799-7051. Cellular Warehouse, your local U.S. Cellular authorized agent. August 11th is National 811 Day. 811 is the first step to getting your buried underground utilities like gas, electric, or internet lines located. Having these lines marked before digging helps keep you, your family, and your neighborhood safe. Play it safe when you plan on digging and call or click 811 three working days before you dig. Learn more at nc811.org. Sponsored by North Carolina 811 and the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters in cooperation with the station. The V Foundation for Cancer Research has a simple motto. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. During these difficult times, cancer patients need help even more urgently. When you support the V Foundation, you are saving lives, creating survivors, and providing hope. 100% of your direct donation benefits cancer research. Join us to help.